Hello, I'm Ross Royden, the Vicar of Christ Church Kowloon Tong here in Hong Kong. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This podcast is for Ash Wednesday. The transcript of the talk can be found on my website, rossroyden.com. It is also posted in the Christ Church Facebook group. Please share the link to the podcast with anyone who you think may find it of interest. The next podcast will be this coming Sunday, February the 21st, for the first Sunday of Lent. I wish you and your family God's blessing and peace for the season of Lent. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it is written in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning to read at the first verse. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of practising your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the Gospel of the Lord. One of my favourite passages in English literature is the opening to Charles Dickens' novel, A Tale of Two Cities. Many of you will be familiar with it. Let me read you the passage. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. The best of times and the worst of times. This, I think, describes well our own times. Why they may be described as the worst of times is obvious. We are living through a pandemic the like of which none of us could ever have imagined even just over a year ago when it first began. It has resulted in governments around the world having to take actions that are more of the kind that you would expect in wartime 
locking down their citizens and taking economic measures, the consequences of which we are all going to have to live with for many years to come. If, for example, a politician before the pandemic had suggested government borrowing and spending of the magnitude we are seeing, people would have thought them mad. And yet billions of pounds and dollars have been spent without even the whisper of opposition. Common sense, however, tells you that there will eventually be a price to be paid, and it will be the young who have to pay most of it. The pandemic may itself eventually go away, but its effects will be with us for a long time to come. The financial cost, however, is as nothing compared to the cost in human life and suffering. The number of deaths from COVID has been a tragedy unseen since the Second World War. However, there is not only death and physical suffering, terrible though this is, but also the psychological, emotional and mental suffering it is causing. It is having a significant impact on the one hand, on the elderly who have been particularly isolated from family and friends, and on the other, on children whose parents are fearful of them going outdoors and who forbid them to play with their friends. We have yet to see what the psychological effect all this will have on young children who have been locked up and deprived of schooling and who are being brought up surrounded by images, uh, images of death, disease and dying. The worst of times, indeed. Imagine, however, if this had happened 20 years ago, when I first came to Hong Kong, in fact. Yes, we had the internet, but it was still relatively in its infancy. We hadn't heard, for example, of smartphones, Facebook, YouTube and Zoom. You may think that not having heard of them would not be such a bad thing, but I certainly wouldn't be talking to you now if we didn't have them. The internet and the communication it makes possible represents a technological achievement that has made living in lockdown more bearable and is now changing the way we work, study, shop, play and live. This Lent, for example, I have registered for a virtual pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It may be just a small thing that I am able to do this, but it is symbolic of great human achievement and ingenuity. And great human achievement in these times isn't confined to technology and communication. The speed, for example, at which vaccines have been developed would not have been possible in previous times. And this, the best and worst of times, has brought out the best and worst in people. The best as we see medical staff selflessly working around the clock to care for those who are infected and workers in care homes putting themselves at risk to look after the old and vulnerable. We have also seen the heroic efforts of people volunteering in different ways to help others less fortunate than themselves. But we have seen the worst too, as we see people who put others at risk by refusing to abide by the restrictions. Those whose selfishness goes even further and who not only don't obey the law, but organise parties and social gatherings, knowing that it is precisely such events that spread the virus. Then there are those like the so-called social influencers who care more about getting a tan in the sun than they do about people dying and gasping for breath on ventilators. Their selfishness is mirrored by the behaviour of rich nations, 
The rich nations only care about getting vaccines for themselves so they can open their economies and couldn't care less about the poor nations. The poor nations don't have an economy to open and people in them are being left to die while the rich nations look forward to basking in the sun of economic recovery. It has brought out the best and the worst in churches as well. The best, as churches have sought to provide services online and to offer pastoral support to those who are lonely, isolated and afraid. The churches genuinely try to reach out to those who are sick and to those who have been bereaved and in reaching out to offer them comfort and help. But the worst too, as many church members have abandoned all thought of church and who will probably never return. And this is not to mention the scandal of the church so readily allowing the pandemic to achieve what the Black Death and World War failed to achieve. We have kept our supermarkets open while shutting our places of worship. Jesus' words, man shall not live by bread alone, have a cutting edge to them this Lent. What, you may be wondering, has this selective litany of good and bad got to do with Ash Wednesday and the start of Lent? Well, Ash Wednesday also reminds us of the worst in us. The best in us we don't need any reminder of, for we are, for we are quick to see it. There is much that we as individuals can accomplish and do, but we can do it because we are made by God in the image of God. And being in the image of God means we are capable of great creativity and achievement. We reflect something of the character of the God who created us in the way a great painting reflects the character of the artist who painted it. We don't, however, need to be reminded of our capacity for greatness. We are always telling ourselves how amazing we are and how much we can achieve if we just believe in ourselves. Just do it is the slogan of an age certainly can do just about anything if it puts its mind to it. We are careful, however, to leave God out of any explanation of how we are able to do anything that is worth doing. Ash Wednesday reminds us that no matter how great our achievements, we are also capable of great wickedness and sin. Our colleague today talks about how God hates nothing he has made, we like that, but it goes on to speak about acknowledging our wretchedness. We don't like that. We don't like being told we are sinful, rebellious, and will die. St. Paul tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Death is the one thing that none of us can escape. Tragically, the virus has killed many people, but our sin will kill us all. The imposition of ashes is meant to challenge us, remind us of our mortality. Remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. It reminds us of our weakness and our limitations, for we too will die. In our gospel reading, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ash Wednesday is the start of Lent. 
This is a time in the church's year for spiritual reflection. It is a time to reflect on our own lives as individuals, to reflect on who we are, what we have become, and who we can be. The times we are living through should themselves cause us to pause and think, to ask ourselves what matters most to us and to examine our priorities. Lent this year, seen in the light of the times we are in, gives us the chance to ask where our own heart is. Do we, for example, long for the end of the pandemic and a return to normality so we can go out, eat, drink and consume again without restriction? Is our main concern being to travel and book a holiday? Or are we looking forward to being able to meet with the body of Christ and to worship God together again? Are we longing to receive the body and blood of Christ? Have we felt hungry and thirsty without it? The experience of the present time should, in other words, lead us to look at the condition of our hearts, that is, at our spiritual condition. Some people give a great deal of thought to their physical well-being. They will wear, for example, smart watches that monitor every bodily function. But sadly, they don't give more than a passing thought to their spiritual health. Lent is 40 days long because Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness preparing for his public ministry. He was challenged there during this time about his own priorities and attitudes. Would the focus of his ministry be on material well-being? What would come first, bread or the word of God? Would he seek power and glory as he pursued his dream of being the Messiah? Or would he worship God and serve only him? Would he see God as the one who was there to serve and protect him, whatever he did? Or would he trust God, whatever happened to him? We know the answer. Jesus chose the hard and lonely path of suffering and death rather than the easy and popular path of self-fulfillment and success. And he challenges us to do the same. For us, his followers, his path is to be our path. For it will only be by losing our lives for his sake that we will find them. As humans, there are times when we long for the best, but all too often end up doing the worst. As St. Paul puts it, for the good that I would I do not, and the evil that I would not, that I do. As followers of Christ, we know that there is no good in us, and that left to ourselves we will only stumble and fall. In the communion service, we say together the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. It may seem that this makes being a follower of Christ sound very gloomy and miserable. St. Paul, however, wrote that it was when he was at his weakest that God was at his strongest. God, the Blessed Virgin Mary said, is the one who casts down the mighty from their seats, but who exalts the humble and meek. It is after death that there comes resurrection. In our collect, we ask God to create in us new and contrite hearts, and at Easter we will see that there is indeed the hope of new life. But it is the life we will only find when we are prepared to acknowledge our wretchedness, abandon trust in our own righteousness, and turn away from sin and follow Christ.
as we are urged to do in our service. I began by quoting one of my favorite passages of English literature. I would like to close by quoting from one of my favorite books, The Lord of the Rings. Tolkien saw his great trilogy as expressing the truths of the Christian faith. He said it began explicitly Catholic, sorry, he said it began implicitly Catholic and ended explicitly so. At one point, Frodo says to Gandalf, I wish none of this had happened. Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. The time of the pandemic will pass, but what will we be like when it does? Lent gives us the opportunity to make sure that for each of us, the best time is yet to be. Amen.